Hello there. Welcome to the Culture of Life podcast from Human Life International. I'm Tad Wojcik, the Mission Research Specialist, here with Father Shannon Bokeh, our president. Well, Tad, as always, great to be with you and looking forward to our conversation today. Yes, absolutely, Father. Certainly looking forward to an interesting and uh, uh, pretty important discussion today about uh, what's going on. Uh, we're returning to this topic for our viewers and listeners uh, about the impending uh, release of the Dobbs versus Jackson women's health decision, which uh, it, according to the leak that we have discussed on this podcast a couple times, um, is likely going to overturn Roe v. Wade. And uh, there has been significant um, violent rhetoric, threats of violence, and in cases like what you've written about recently, uh, actual violence um, on the part of pro-abortion activists and uh, those who would uh be extremely displeased with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Um, so, Father, I'd like to begin then. Maybe we can talk about what the, the general uh, import of all this is for our culture at this critical right. juncture and what we can expect going forward as pro-lifers. Well, you know, Ted, you, the, the importance of the article really was just to to, as we will do in our podcast, is kind of, you know, what's our response, you know, to the current situation that we're faced. But, but what all this is revealing, at least to me, uh, is that it shows the state, you know, of where our country is uh, with regard to the life and family issues. And it also exposes, you know, how deeply entrenched the mindset of abortion has become, uh, not only as a lobby within in the government, uh, as a major industry within our society, it's a lot of money that uh, that surrounds this industry. Uh, there are a tremendous amount of people who have, you know, based their entire livelihood, profession, uh, career completely around this subject. Uh, it is very much in the mindset because abortion is treated like a contraception. So basically, when uh, the uh, ordinary means of contraception, be there chemical or you know some type of prophylactic, you know it doesn't work and it fails and they're pregnant, then abortion becomes the means to which they didn't want the child to begin with. And so, so you have various ways of views of the subject. And, and just something mentioning contraception that we should point out for for uh, any of anyone listening or watching is that. Uh, HLI does not support contraception. In fact, that is one of our primary issues, exactly. abortion and contraception. And the very uh, fact of uh, abortion and contraception being mentioned together is not something that a lot of people think about, right. even pro-lifers. But one that's very, that's one of the points we're trying to make no, here. And I think it's always good to have to do like you just did. It's just because HLI always exposes the link and shows the link between them. And so, the, so, But this is what the mindset we're dealing with. So as people, you know, obviously who have a contraceptive mindset, abortion is part of that mindset. Uh, and so, so this is really exposing all of that. It's, it's bringing it, you know, as it always has been, very much in the forefront. But now, as, as the threat of, of, uh, of Roe v. Wade, in the sense of it's being overturned, if the decision is as we have seen in the, in the draft leak, then this is going to, uh, you know, sets a different narrative and a different conversation in every one of the states. And so you can, so this is just elevating the conversation. And, and, and as we have, uh, you know, spoken of and many others have, you know, the whole uh, draft leak was purposely done, you know, to incite this kind of response. I mean, the orchestrated uh, rally after 
the leak showed clearly that this was anticipated, it was set up, and you know, and so forth and so on. So I, I'm not surprised by what we're seeing, but what I'm disappointed in is the, in, and, and again, as I say disappointed, I'm also not surprised. I mean, the, the federal government uh, as a whole has really invested in this industry, you know, especially uh, the Democratic Party, uh, very much those in support of abortion and advocating for abortion, you know, have done nothing to denounce the violence that's been done. Uh, even the attempted assault on Justice Kavanaugh has not been condemned by the president or by the Speaker of the House or by any of the leadership in the Democrat Party. Uh, and so uh, this is this is really un- unbecoming of a nation that uh, really uh, speaks about uh, freedom of religion, freedom of speech. You know, this is not how this nation should be acting in this regard. You know, we've talked about that before, Tad, in our podcast that, you know, reasonable people can reasonably disagree and, and so uh, this is a debate that's been going on now since Roe v. Wade, you know, uh, became the law of the land. Uh, abortion became legal in the United States. And here we are still fighting, you know, in, the, in this debate. And this is now, now really brought to the very, very top of the bowl. And uh, a lot of emotion uh, and people are very upset, uh, those that really are advocating for it. And those of us who have been really promoting life and, and, and seeking ways to overturn these unjust laws, and this is one of the most unjust laws that we've had uh, and still have among, you know, obviously the uh, legalization of euthanasia in some of the states is another example, and there's many others we can talk about. But here we are, and it's going to get very difficult, and I don't say that uh, to frighten people. It is reality. Uh, you know, we have a, a group called Jane's Revenge that has caused some uh, some graffiti and damage to property, uh, and this is all in the article. And well, and actually, I think just to mention, it's it's uh, vandalism on the scale more like of uh, property damage. These Molotov cocktails were thrown right. uh, in, by this particular group, I believe. That's right, and the, graffiti written on the walls, right. and, and 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 as you said, very violent rhetoric. You know, on the walls that has spoken. So people can come to the article, and there'll be a number of links to many stories. So not only the situation in Buffalo, we've seen, you know, uh, pregnancy care centers directly, uh, you know, uh, uh, intentional damage done to them. Uh, We here at HLI have had a situation with uh, one of our own properties, you know, in the sense of the United States uh, that has been uh, been warned because of our close work with the diocese and archdiocese that, you know, we could uh, possibly, you know, be uh, be picked out, you know, for an act of vandalism or so forth. So it's just making people come on, uh, you know, be aware. And we've seen many uh, documents come out or uh, uh, warning, you know, pro-lifers, uh, church leaders, the justices, many people in the government, because we have many people in many levels of our government that are standing with us in this great fight in defense of human life. So it's not just the Catholic Church or the Christian churches that are defending a life in, in the Jewish community. There's so many, many people involved in this that is something that can be individual. So a person, you know, could uh, be individually uh, uh, picked out, uh, as we saw at uh, Justice Kavanaugh. We could see a situation where a, a church, we saw this happen uh, in some of the states where uh, church services were disrupted uh, by people. And we can also have property damage, and property damage can be fixed, you know, but uh, we, we've seen many other acts that can actually intensify. That's why, you know, what's, what's so upsetting is not to have uh, our, our president and other leaders within our government who are supposed to represent all of the people denouncing these acts of violence or these, these attempts at acts of violence. Whatever it is out there is that this is not how this is to be, to be done. 
And so it's it's very concerning, and I only raise it in the article so that, you know, as pro-lifers and as people involved in this, and our readership and our, and our listenership are all people just like you and myself, Tad, very much involved. And, you know, we need to be aware uh, of, of what's around us and the, the climate and the environment. But not so much for us to, you know, cower away in a corner, and but for us to to recognize the realities in front of us, make the necessary uh, changes or approaches that we need to do, um, and then, you know, we got to keep pushing forward. We have to keep our ourselves focused on the goal, and and the goal is to not only have we hope that the decision of the court, as the draft revealed not only to overturn a very, very bad law and to remove a great stain upon our nation, but we all know, as we've said before, that the battle now turns to the states. And so some of the states have already set up um, uh, through trigger laws. We've talked about that before. People can go back and listen to previous podcasts and want to understand what that means. Um, and, uh, but there will be many states, and we've already seen those battle lines being drawn. And it would be the typical ones that we would expect. We've, we've seen this before uh, with other uh, life and family issues. Uh, and so, but this means our work is going to intensify. You know, our, our need to step forward as pro-lifers needs to grow, and not only in a state that already may have pro-life laws, you know, like Louisiana, for example, my home state, that doesn't mean we should assume anything because we need to make sure and secure that those laws will protect human life from the moment of conception till its natural end. And in the states where that's not the case, we need to advocate for that. So many uh, pro-life organizations at the state level have already started beginning to to set the stage for these kinds of conversations. And we've already seen many of uh, the states already uh, pass legislation that the moment that, uh, that Roe is overturned, the state itself makes abortion illegal. So you, you can see why, as we, as we said, this is very emotional for those that are on the other side of the aisle. Um, they think that a right is being taken away from them. Uh, uh, the, and, uh, you know, what we're saying, that it's never been a right. No one has a right to take the life of another human being, and no one has a right to, to arbitrarily decide who has a right and who does not have a right when, we, when it comes to the dignity of human life. And as we've talked about in this podcast, and I've written on now for over 11 years, and, you know, uh, as, as HLI's president, you know, that uh, to arbitrarily decide that a child that, we, that the, we cannot see doesn't have the right to life, you know, will translate itself into uh, people outside the womb also being determined they don't have a right to life. And, and so that's, we got to be very careful here. So this is something that's going to, to help us to step up further you know, onto that stage, come out from behind, if you will, and step up to the front in, in, in each of the states. So I see this as, a, as an opportunity, a very positive moment, even as we face some very difficult times in our country. And it will be. It will be very, very difficult. And I don't think any of us are pretending that it, it won't be. This is not a naive uh, approach here. We, we are very clear because uh, we've seen it before. I mean, I, remember, HLI is a global uh, you know, pro-life organization. So we have been in many countries where this battle has been being fought also for many years, many decades. And I've also seen in countries where pro-life laws, you know, or anti-life laws have been changed. And so I know it can be done. And I also know the difficulty that it created and the difficulties with people, uh, you know, who uh, didn't see the same uh, uh, approach and view. But eventually those countries and their constitutions support life. 
Hungary's an example. Poland's an example. I've seen the same thing uh, in Africa, where uh, which has pro-life laws. And I've seen people try to uh, overturn those laws. And it become, again, because a very emotionally charged conversation uh, and, uh, and, and because the media gets involved. And so I don't want to get you know, too sidetracked, Tad, but, but it, just, it shows us the, the, the weakness of human, uh, of human beings, you know, that uh, we can easily become very so emotionally charged and, and, and approach this in a very disrespectful manner and cause harm to other people because we're trying to advocate for our cause, which we on the pro-life side don't do. Now, I do talk about a couple of cases. Yes, there are people, sadly, you know, who, who claim to be pro-life, who have done great harmful things, you know, uh, assaulting uh, our uh, abortionists and so forth. We have never advocated for that, nor do we advocate for that. So, I mean, it's... Um, nor uh, has the pro-life movement as, exactly. a, as a very vast exactly. majority. Right. Uh, for example, the March for Life has been going on for decades. One of the most peaceful demonstrations exactly. uh, consistently every exactly. year with, you know, many thousands of people very peaceful and very having both exactly. of us having experienced those marches. Amen. So, it's, but it, it, I just don't want anyone to think, oh, you know, you, you don't want to acknowledge some of those bad things. No, there have been some sad situations, but but each one of the time that's occurred, and there have been very few of them, it's been denounced, you know, by the pro life movement. And this is not the way we 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 defend life, and this is not the way that we advocate for life. So, so, but as opposed to the quote the other side of the aisle, we have numerous and as article notes. Many examples where uh, violence has been perpetrated, you know, and so it's this is not the way that uh, people uh, approach should approach this subject. So, I think that's a, a good way to kind of lead us in, you know, to how you know we can. Uh, uh, so, how do we approach it, you know? And I think the the one thing, Ted, I would mention just the uh, just to reiterate what I uh, put in the, in the article is the hypocrisy that this is also exposing. So I already made note of it that, you know, uh, and I, if this were kind of reversed, you know, if, you know, an example that we, uh, so if we were out there, you know, uh, advocating for violence and calling people, inciting people to violence and, you know, you know, you know, we would be called to the, to, to the table very, very quickly and we would be denounced, you know, by many people in, in the federal level, many people as leaderships. And, and, and so this is hypocrisy that, you know, that what makes one side's response, you know, uh, okay, and the other side, if we were to respond, which we have not, and we're not advocating to do, but if we were to, it, it immediately would be, be called out, you know, immediately heads would roll. Uh, but in this situation, you know, because of the hypocrisy and, and the investment of so many in this industry, it's excused. The, the the liberal media makes no note of it in the sense uh, other than advocating for it, you know, giving them video time, you know, air time on, on radio, TV. Um, again, as I mentioned earlier, we have to date as of this podcast, have not seen the president of the United States denounce such an assault. We have not even seen anything, you know, on that level with regard to the attempt of violence on Justice Kavanaugh. I mean, I, I mean I, 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 again, respectfully, if that were had been done, reverse it you know, to one of the more progressive or more uh, liberal justices, you know, who may have advocated for, uh, let's say, the legalization of euthanasia, you know, and, you know, we would have been saying, you know, no, we don't want that. Immediately, you know, we'd have had uh, that it had made the headlines, you know. And so I'm just saying is that it's important to see that this is exposing, you know, how deeply entrenched this wound is and how it has festered, you know, into so many other things, 
It's exposing, you know, the, the what we're going to talk about after a while, a little bit of what Cardinal Seurat makes note of. So I just think it's important, you know, that for us that we don't lose heart, we don't become distracted, and we're going to talk more about that as we go through. So it's a great way to, to kind of segue into all that. Right, Father, because, yeah, I wanted to ask and bring up, um, you mentioned the fact, well, we'll start with this, that uh, the fact that um, violence begets violence. And um, this is not just some political debate about taxes or something kind of uh, more innocuous. This is about a form of violence, which is abortion. Uh, to which some people believe they have a right, um, and is it, it's interesting, Father, that some of the some of this vitriol, even if it's just words or 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 loud, you know, even if it's not direct violence, there's something quite horrific about about a lot of the demonstrations, a lot of the rhetoric, etc. Um, what is the origin of of all that? And why is it, uh, and, and isn't it interesting, I guess, that, yeah. that this is about a form of violence? Well, we know that the, 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 what it's exposing is, one, it exposes human weakness itself. It exposes the fact that the human person who is, has a, is wounded can either strive to, for the good or can fall into the trap of promoting and advocating and participating in that which is evil. And, and so we have a, a very we have an intrinsic evil here, the murder of a human being, uh, a child in the womb, the most innocent, the most vulnerable, who has been uh, uh, basically identified as uh, uh, that by, by a certain segment of the population that is unworthy of existence, unworthy of life, unworthy of being given the privilege that you and myself had now celebrate and enjoy. And, and so this has now, you know, exposes, you know, this great evil. And what Mother Teresa of Calcutta would talk about is, and we've, we've mentioned here many times over in the podcast, is the, the idea of I can assault this most innocent, you know, child who cannot defend itself in any regard, who its own mother uh, is uh, and under circumstances should be welcoming and loving and its own mother should be protecting, but... In this situation, a mother hates her child, wants the child to be destroyed. And then you have doctors, I mentioned this in the column, you know, that are meant there to be of help and to assist and to protect life and, and to help human flourishing and to, and to help in a way to, uh, to promote the dignity of life. And, and now all of a sudden it's participating, becomes the very hand upon which this act occurs. So you have something completely flipped. And so as a result, this, you know, moves its way through our society. The mindset moves through our society. And, and we begin to arbitrarily decide, you know, again, as we mentioned, who has value, who doesn't have value. And, and we begin to cheapen human dignity, which should never happen. And so it, it, and that mindset moves itself into other ways. It moves itself into other acts, other, other ways of advancing, you know, um, this, this mindset. For example, we talked about euthanasia as, as an example. We, we can mention the whole understanding of uh, what we see in other countries where they've legalized, where a ch child can choose to be euthanized at five years old or, or, or younger. We've seen in some countries where uh, a child in the womb uh, is diagnosed with Down syndrome and is identified and, and put to death 
you know, discrimination against a particular, a very clear segment of, of our society. Uh, and so these things just perpetuate themselves. And this is what's really, it's all there. And, you know, it's, and it's interesting, you know, that we, we are, we see the violence today in the murders in, in major cities, the crime rates that are going on, the acts of violence against neighbor, uh, the, the continued growth in race, ra racism, uh, other acts of discrimination. Uh, we, as we talked last week, we see violence being done to our young children in schools, you know, and all of this, you know, just really begins, you know, in, when we don't value life. And the first place we should value life is in the womb. And, and the moment that we lose that understanding of, of, of that most sacred womb, where, where the, the sanctuary of life, you know, and, and to really recognize it, then it's going to move its way into our culture. And that may not be what you, uh, you know, where, where maybe uh, the question was about, Tad, but I, I think that it fits in a way when we look at how, how do we get here? You know, so, and it's, it's even with the legalization of abortion in this nation, you know, you know obviously caused and, and moved by the Supreme Court in its decision in, in 1973, that, but we, we have to recognize, look at what was before that. What was, what was happening in the culture at the time? And, you know, other things were manifesting themselves. You know, what people call the sexual revolution. But, you know, let's talk about modernism. Let's talk about what that mindset created. Let's talk about when we lose an understanding of what marriage is, when we lose an understanding of what human sexuality is. And we start losing these, these very core principles of what we have always upheld and what we've advanced through, through millennia, and to see those being rejected. And, and what does that create? What, what happens? So we saw in 1965, obviously, through the Supreme Court, legalization of contraception. At that time, it was uh, for marriage. A few years later, it was open to the general population. Um, and then we see, following on its, on its coattails, legalization of, uh, of, of abortion. And then, you know, you just keep moving things forward. And, and so all of this has an impact on our society, Tad. All of it has, a, has an impact on our mindset. If I may use an example, look at China. We've talked about this before. I've written on it a number of times. And that is when you think about what people would know as the one-child policy. Now, maybe the two-child policy. Depends on, you know, what, what you're reading. But what China, the Chinese leadership did not really anticipate was through its law, through the way that it, it, it imposed this mindset, as what kind of culture it would create. And now when its population is now, you know, uh, moving toward a, a pivotal moment where it would no longer be growing but decreasing, they're trying to change, quote, their policies. They're seeing the writing on the wall, you know, and, and that is they're, they're given incentives. Well, it's not working. Why? Because they've created a mindset. They've created a culture. And so as a culture of life, you know, we advance that every life has value, equal value. Your value is no different than mine, and our value is no different than the little baby that's a day old, an hour old, uh, a minute old in the womb that we don't even know exists yet. And so, uh, and so that, but that's a culture of life that also moves forward. And as I mentioned in, in the column, is that for a culture of life, we, uh, abortion should never be, you know, the response. But as a culture of life, 
What are we providing to women in need? What are we providing in those situations? How are we stepping forward to make sure that we have uh, uh, programs and, and resources available to women in those situations? So we have to really recognize that what we're, we're doing, and, but that's a different mindset that, that we, we, we're no longer sensitive to. Uh, or maybe some would even argue, did we ever really have? I, I do argue that we did. And so, but some would argue that maybe we've, we've lost it many, many uh, centuries ago, you know, that, that may be true, you know, different elements of it. But, you know, I, I go back to my own childhood and remember what the, the, the culture of life that was being advanced in my own grandparents and how whenever there were situations within other members of the community that needed, had need, we, we stepped forward. We were taught those values. And you know to to share what you have, to be mindful of others, to respect others, uh, and you know, and and so that was very much a part, and still a very much a part of me, and that's a culture of life, and so what we're seeing now is an example of what the culture of death really does create. It creates a mindset that devalues life itself. It devalues the good of life, and then it manifests itself. Uh, in false freedoms and false rights and a false understanding of human sexuality and all the things we talked about. And, and that's where we are. I mean, and all that is what's been now come to the surface. And, you know, there was a, a billboard uh, that I remember in, in my own home state of Louisiana um, that I saw when I was home uh, last to check on my own parents. And it's, it, it, it's a, it was long, so I'll just paraphrase it. But basically, it's it, that you have a certain segment of people that are advancing the defense of abortion basically means we want to have the right to determine who lives and who dies. We want to have the right to take the life of a child. And, and is that the value that as a country, that as, as a people, is that what we want to be known for? In the sense of, that, is that what identifies us? Is that what identifies, you know, power? Is that what gives me power? Is the ability to, to determine this innocent life can live or die? You know, I think what really speaks, as Mother Teresa would say, what really speaks more of our nation is when we value every life and we do not accept anything to the contrary and that we do not accept any act of discrimination or racism or anything or any act that degrades any human being. And it has to start in the womb, Ted. If it doesn't start in the womb, then, then we will not do it outside the womb. And that's why we are where we are today. You know, it's it's it, when we assault the, the the most innocent, it now shows itself out in our in the public forum as well. So it's um uh, it, it's this is a moment of time. I think we're really at a at an important junction of our own country and uh, and and how we will move forward. And uh, but like anything else of great value, Tad, you know, it, it requires us to stretch, and it's going to be a, a, a painful journey. You know, but I, I think that's what we're going to talk about. You know, I know is what is our response, but uh, I think this is what we're after right now. It, this is a this is a moment when we're being. I use Pope Benedict. You know, the human heart is made for love, but he says it has to be stretched. And right now, we have a mindset that doesn't want to stretch. You know, we we we've accepted a way of life, we've accepted a behavior, we've tried to normalize that behavior, we've desensitized people to the dignity of human life, we have convinced ourselves that this is a just law, and, and you know, and we've entrenched it into every aspect of our government, we have now entrenched it into our 
into U.S. aid around the world. We have now, you know, promulgated this disease, this cancer around the world, uh, the contraceptive mentality, abortion, you know, all the various things. And so we have, we have, we have put billions of dollars into this industry. And we've, uh, and, and as a country, I'm not saying you or myself, and I'm not saying, you know, everyone. I'm just saying, but as a country, you know, we have, uh, through our taxes and various things, we have advanced this. And so it's going to take a lot, Tad, to unpack that and, you know, and to unravel it. And, and that means we have to be stretched. And like anything else, uh, as we've talked about, you know, with uh, our Speaker of the House, with uh, Archbishop Cardinal Leone, when that Band-Aid gets pulled off and it gets pulled off abruptly, it hurts. That's what this is. I mean, it's, we, our, our wound has been exposed, you know, and the threat of that wound being exposed is what this is all about. And so uh, that's why I think it's it's a it's a moment for us as a nation now. What do we really want to What do we want to advance? As a church, it's a different response. Our response has never changed, all right. And I know we're going to talk about that. Sure. Yeah. And uh, well, you mentioned that you you weren't sure if I, if you were getting at the answer I wanted, but I think Father, that's a, that's a perfect answer. Um, and uh, it's really because you're talking about the battle that we're in. Um, it's a cultural battle and a spiritual battle. Um, with that in mind then, Father, how can we best, we as pro-lifers and also Americans, best um, be up to task? Um, it's because uh, especially as, as the battle is going to become more local, uh, most likely uh, with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Yeah, I think the, the natural human tendency when we're really put into a difficult moment, uh, you know, and that's not every individual, you know, uh, but uh, is, is to, you know, to when we have a threat or there is going to be a, a real struggle or it's going to be very demanding or require sacrifice, to, kind of there's a feeling that you want to kind of pull back a little bit, you know, is it, you know, and I, we have to fight against that. We have to fight against the rhetoric. We have to fight against the, the uh, those who are, who are inciting others to maybe acts of violence or at least threatening acts of violence. We have to recognize that our, our, our church services and religious services may be interrupted. There may be people that may uh, protest outside of them uh, and very, uh, very respectfully protest. It could be those that get a little more, uh, maybe a little more aggressive. We, we, have, we don't know, we have to expect you know, even our own federal government, you know, has made some some notes, you know, to to members of of the church, our leadership in the church, to expect this, you know, and so um, so there's a feeling, you know, maybe we should become more conciliatory, maybe we should, you know, uh, back off on this, and the answer to that is no, we should not, you know, that would be that's not the response because this, as I said in the column, you know, truth is the truth, and the truth here is that abortion is intrinsically evil it's evil you know and it's never to be accepted it should never be uh, should never have been and it should never have been legalized and it should not continue and so we we have to accept that is a truth that this is the murder of an innocent child a human being a member of our human family you know and that's never acceptable and so so this is now a moment where this is what this is what we've been working toward Let's be honest, Tad. I mean, we've, we've been fighting this fight, and I use the word fight in, in the sense of, of, of moving things forward, you know, sacrificing much, you know, working tirelessly, you know, all these many de- decades to, to get to this moment that we may, again, 
hopefully what, we're, what we've seen in the draft decision is exactly what we're going to see. And we have, we have been waiting for this moment, you know, to, to be able to take the fight to each of the states because we knew that was that the law was not just going to to uh, it was going to be thrown back to the states. We've always assumed that. So, but that's what we've been moving toward. We've been waiting for this moment, which means now we have to pick up that fight in a different way, and we have to to use our creativity and our skills and our and our, what we've learned over these decades and how to to argue these cases and how to to advance our cause, not to pull back. You know, and even when we face those that, you know, that may be, it may be intimidating, it could be very difficult, we may see some very painful things, and we may experience some very painful realities. But all the more reason to keep moving, because what that does is it exposes how deep it is and how deep that wound is, and which means it's going to require a lot more time. It's going to require more sacrifices to, to change hearts and minds, because that's what this is about, Tad. It's about converting hearts and minds. It's, and we've been here. You know, how many people, you know, we have Christine, uh, Christine Hawkins and, uh, you know, and, and so many others, you know, who, who came from the other side, you know, and, and who saw, you know, and their, they were, they, their eyes opened to that evil. And look at what, you know, groups like Students for Life, you know, have done, you know, working with those working in the abortion facilities and, and really aiming at them to help them to see. And many people have converted because you had sidewalk counselors out there. You had 40 days for life out there. You've had people out there for the Knights of Columbus and many other groups out there fighting the good fight. And people converted. Their hearts changed. You know, even women and, and, and their boyfriends, husbands, grandfathers, whoever was dropping them off, you know, didn't go in those doors because they saw people out there advocating for life, a family. There's so many examples of that, Ted. So here we are. We're, 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 we're here again at the same moment where we have to keep standing, you know. And even if, being, I mean, I, I don't compare myself to anyone, but I've, I've been out in front of these, uh, these uh, abortion facilities, and I've had people, you know, call me names uh, uh, that I won't repeat here. I've had people spit at me. I've had many things occur to me. And that's, that pales into what the stories I've heard others have gone through. And I know, again, from our own advocates uh, and affiliates and directors and, and, and colleagues in the mission field globally, I can tell you stories of what they've encountered, you know, imprisonment. You know, uh, one of our directors was in prison 12 times, you know, standing outside of an abortion facility in Austria, you know, and, and fought the good fight. Look, look at all the sacrifices that were made to get us where we are. And so this is not the time to, you know, to cower, you know, in, in front of this difficulty, this intimidation. It's all the more reason to move forward. That's the first thing I would say. Uh, and with that, uh, I, I, I quoted here, you know, uh, at the end of my column, I quote in the very beginning of my column, I, I made a reference to uh, St. John Paul II, um, his homily, his first homily as our pontiff, you know. Uh, and uh, so when he speaks about open the doors to Christ, open them wide. And I, I could not, I didn't start the column with that uh, as I was writing the column and looking at it and reflecting on it. It, it just kept coming to my mind. And I said, okay. All right, I'm going to put it right at the beginning. Because as a Christian, as a Catholic, as a priest, as, as a member of the church, uh, as a pro-lifer, this is what this is. It's, it's open those doors. Don't open them a little bit. Open them wide. 
And that's what we're doing here. So, and that's what the whole pro-life movement, the whole culture of life has been. It's opening those doors wide. And you know, when the other side of the aisle likes to, you know, tr with rhetoric and the narrative, say we're only worried about, you know, the child in the womb, which is far furthest from the truth. Yes, we are concerned about the child in her womb, absolutely. But look at all the programs and activities that we advocate for, that we have, that pro-abortion, Planned Parenthood and others have nothing. All they offer is the death of a child. That is their answer, all right? We, we offer so much more. The life of the child, the assistance the mother needs, the family needs, and a litany of examples, which we don't have time to you know this, but all of us involved in this know exactly what we do and the sacrifice, and there's always more to do, always, always more to do. But then I ended the, uh, so that means by opening. We have to open, I'm, and even to the people who are, and I'll quote unquote, an enemy, the other side of the aisle, the pro-abortionists, the anti-life, the population controls, whatever you want to label, all right? These are still my brothers and sisters. They're still my brother and my sister, and I have to love them from my heart. And though it may be not always the easiest, especially when they're you know, in, in your face and they're insulting you or they're writing bad things about you, it may not be the easiest thing, but that's what it means to open that door wide. I have to open my heart. I have to open my heart with mercy, compassion. You know, the letter of James says, you know, you know, mercy. You know, I have to, if I want mercy, give mercy away. So I have to have that same heart that loves this individual. And, and that's something that has to keep being, back to being stretched, Ted. I gotta, I, I mean, I'll speak it for myself now. I gotta be stretched. I just gotta keep being stretched. And that's what this moment too is all about. It's to stretch me. It's to stretch you. It's to stretch all of us involved in the culture of life, and and so so I ended the uh, you know the column you know by quoting uh, Leo the Thirteenth and and uh, and uh, and uh, the in here uh, or Leo the Twelfth and and so what I did here is uh, I talked about Christians are born for combat, whereof the greater the 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 vehemence you know the more assured God aiding the triumph. It's a beautiful quote to remind us that you know that our history. Our Christian history are, is filled with story after story of people who fought the good fight and ran the race. You know, people who sacrificed much, people who were martyred for the faith. You know, the blood of the church. I mean, the church is built upon the blood of the martyrs. I mean, so we have litany of examples of people who have faced far, far greater challenges and, and stood there and, and witnessed that love, that opened their heart to cry open to the world they opened their heart filled with christ for the world and so to me those were the sandwiches kind of the bookends of the column because that's what this is all about you know for, for myself uh you know that's to me what is at the heart of this it's the mission of christ it's the mission of, of the church what john paul ii called you know the the great campaign and john paul said that there's no difference between the gospel of our lord jesus christ and the gospel of life they are one and the same this is what he opens up Evangelium Vitae with. And I think it's important for us to see this and that we, we, we should not be afraid of what will de demands will be. We shouldn't be afraid of what we might lose. Uh, uh, maybe some uh, little privileges and from the government's point of view a little while because right now uh, we don't have a government that's on our side, you know, as a whole. You know, we have uh, those in power right now who are actually not with us in this great cause. Um, and, but there are many people within government, within leadership roles that are with us. 
And we know leaderships change and things happen. So we should not be afraid of even those difficulties. And we shouldn't be afraid of what the media might say. We shouldn't be afraid of what individuals might do. We should, one thing I would say, Tad, is this, is not tolerated either, though. In other words, there's one thing for someone to stand, as it's happened before to me, and, 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 and speak ill of me in my face and, you know, raise their voice. And that's one thing. You know, but someone to cause me physical harm, that's a completely different thing. And no one has a right to do that. And so nor would I stand there and allow someone to do that. I, I know my boundaries and I know what I can tolerate. But at the same time, I'm not going to let you cause me harm, physical harm. Words are cheap. That just that floats off. You deal with that. But the idea here is that we should not allow anyone, you know, to disrupt our religious services. We should make it very clear that we will prosecute anyone you know, that, that causes these kinds of, of, of interruptions or violence, personal assaults, whatever it may be, it's not acceptable. Again, this is, this is not how reasonable people resolve their problems. And we should not accept anything other than others, others to be held accountable. No different than we would say in any other situation. We need to make that clear. We, that, that, that means standing. And so I think it's important, you know, and I've seen some already happen. I've already seen, you know, some of the uh, uh, religious leaders of our own country, you know, U.S. bishops, you know, in their dioceses make statements already, you know, because things have happened and they've voiced, you know, that this is unacceptable. And many of them have called upon the president. They've called upon him and said, you need to denounce this. So this is important that we do this. We, we, we have to do that. You know, we should be very, very much concerned that an attempted assault was done on one of the Supreme Court justices. We should be, as a country, very concerned. This is why the leak, pardon me, Tad, was, was so concerning. Because this is, uh, one, it affects the, you know, the whole process of, of, of how the justices you know, interact and how they work with each other and how they, they, they reach their decisions and how they, 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 they handle the day-to-day business. And so I'm just saying is that we, we, we have to recognize that there are certain things that we, are, we can expect and we can deal with them. We've dealt with them before. But there is a boundary. And, and I... I believe with all my heart that we need to make that very clear. We need to articulate that uh, and, 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 and just say and not, this is unacceptable. And we will seek through the legal process to prosecute anyone. So like the, the group that came out uh, that I talked about, uh, James Revenge, that actually signed, you know, and if that's all proven to be true, they should be held accountable for that. You know, that's property. All right, it's property damage and so forth. But they should be held accountable for that. That's unacceptable. You know, it's uh, it's one thing we can disagree, but you don't have a right to d- destroy my property. You don't have a right to throw Molokov t- cocktails into my building. You know, like the uh, the idea of the pregnancy care center. You know, they they, they caused a lot of damage inside. But as the, the as I quote in the column, the the, the compass care is already decided. Look, we're rebuilding. We're going to fix it. We're, you're not going to stop us from doing what we do. So that's a way to respond. But we need to hold the other side accountable. You know, and, and that's part of love, too. You know, it's part of, you know, you did this, you're accountable for it. And so uh, this is very important. So then, then in between the sandwich of those two bookends, I, in the last part, I talk about Cardinal Seurat. And, and the reason why I do this is there's a trilogy of books that His Eminence uh, has given. And I know he's written other books as well, and uh, there's a couple of new ones. But the, the three, you know, uh, the first being God or Nothing, uh, The Power of Silence, and The Day is Now Far Spent, uh, I have read uh, a, numbers, a number of times, each one, 
Uh, and there are so many insights that uh, his eminence really brings to the forefront. His assessment of, of Western culture, his assessment of the church in the West, particularly, so that in Europe and United States and other Western countries, what we would call, uh, you know, first world nations. And, you know, it's, his assessment is, is on point, and it's something we should, uh, we should really take to heart. And, you know, one of the things he mentions here, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll quote it, and, you know, is and I'm using some of his eminence's words from the day is now far spent. Uh, this is my words now. Abortion is a manifestation of this lethal crisis. Now, his eminence speaks about this. He says, Western civilization is going through a lethal crisis. And we can say right now, Tad, this whole abortion issue is part of that lethal crisis. And he says, adding, it has reached the limits of self-destructive hatred. So here, in abortion, as I mentioned earlier, the mother whose love for her child ought to exceed that of any other contracts a health care provider whose hands ought to be used to heal to take the life of the child growing in her womb. I've already made reference to it, but it just shows you this is the, that's a lethal crisis, and that's a self-destructive hatred a hatred toward the child in the womb, an innocent child. And so abortion turns the world upside down. It transforms love into hate, healing into violence, creativity into destruction. And so, so when, when, you, when you think about what is imminence, and these are, some, these are a lot of my words using his thought, and it's something we really should recognize and as you said when we began this little part of the segment, was it's a, it's, a, it's a battle. It's a cultural battle, and it's a spiritual battle. And the great enemy here is, is the evil one, is the devil, of which Jesus said of him to be a thief and a murderer from the beginning. And so, so, so here we, we have a spiritual component where there is a spiritual blindness, there is a deafness, and we, we use the words, people are desensitized to human life. They have become, uh, in a sense, normalized in a behavior that is contrary to the dignity of human life and the respect that is owed to human persons. We've lost a sense of the sacred of life itself, the sacredness of life. We've lost a sense of the sacredness of, of the dignity of marriage and many other aspects. We see it now affecting our elderly handicapped and uh, in our uh, in in how uh, they're being now you know pointed out you know uh, for uh, assault in the sense of euthanasia and, and other things that we're talking we, we can talk about later but this is all here there's a blindness so you see the spiritual side and as we talked about but the, the other side of the equation obviously is the is, is is the cultural battle the societal battle the the the, the realities of day-to-day but all of this originates in how the evil one incites this. And, and by my cooperation with evil through sin, my own co- cooperation can, can further that. And we're seeing that here as well. And so, which gives, goes back again, Tad, to the very beginning. Open those doors to Christ. Open them wide. And, and so that's why the church, you know, has consistently and uh, preached, you know, against this intrinsic evil. And she has been, uh, you know, the great, uh, doing a great amount of the yeoman's work in our own country, advocating for life, you know, the various programs and activities and, you know, lobbying and so forth. We, she has been there and still is there and will be there no matter what happens in this situation. And so 
Why? Because this is what our mission is. This is what we've been entrusted with by our Lord. This is what we're sent out to do, go out to all the world and proclaim the good news. You know, and So I think what's important here is to, is to see what's before us. And, and to realize that, you know, and, and another little quote that I would just make reference to just very quickly, he says, you know, for many of our contemporaries, happiness comes from the mere consumption and from an absolute freedom that nothing hampers in its expression. Really talks about our Western culture here in the United States. Opulence is celebrated. You know, consumerism is what we worship. Uh, very materialistic very individualistic, it's all about me, it's my autonomy, it's my freedom, how I exercise it, who are you to judge, who are you to tell me I can do this or can't do that, and it's a false sense of freedom, a false sense of truth, uh, it's moral relativism run uh, rampant, you know, and so it, it, this is what we're up against, and, and so, and, and this is why this moment really pulls all of the veil away, it exposes the entire thing. So, and this is what other other side has never wanted. It doesn't want it exposed. It doesn't want people to see the, the, the mess it's created. And as we've talked about before, Ted, to realize that, you know, think about in the United States, right, that there is no situation on the regional, national, federal level, any one subject that has taken over the conversation as much as abortion. You, you can't elect a governor or a state representative, a federal, uh, you know, on the federal level of Congress, and the Senate, without all this, even the nomination of a Supreme Court justice, election of the president of the United States, all around this subject. So this subject has taken over and it has not produced anything good. It has cost the lives of 63 plus million right? And in this country alone, and how many families broken and wounded, how many suffering women out there and men in post-abortion, you know, a nation with a deep, deep wound, a pus-filled wound, and it's been, band-aid's been pulled off. And so, and I think that, you know, end of the day, if, even if this decision doesn't go our way, the battle's not over. It's, it's only exposed all the more what we have to do. We have to keep moving. We have to keep going. And even if we do have a decision, throw them back to the states. But, Ted, let's be honest. We have to deal with the issues of euthanasia. We have to deal with the issues of, uh, of gender. We have to deal with the whole same-sex issue. And so, to me, all this is all connected. They're all coming, you know, to, 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 to be intermingled into the same issues, you know, that we need to bring and the same principles that we have to keep talking about. So we'll have time for that. Uh, so, uh, but uh, I think that's why the Band-Aid being pulled off. It's exposed all of it. Everything is out in the open. And, and, and we see it in people's personality and how they personally address the issue. We see how people, what they're advocating for, what they're inciting. You know, we, we heard, you know, from the, uh, the uh, Senator Schumer, you know, in some of his comments when this leak came out and what's that's now, you know, people are talking about today, you know, and what that's caused, you know. And uh, so we, we, people have drawn their line. They, they've made it clear where they stand. And the good thing is, is we who have been fighting this good fight, We've always been true to ourselves, and we still are, you know, and so we're going to continue to move forward. So uh, I, I want to encourage our listeners, as I end the column, 
be not afraid. Remember that we're made for battle. As, as Leo said, we're made for combat. And not combat with a weapon, not with a sword, not with a gun, you know, with love, with compassion, with mercy, with truth, and with, with a desire for salvation for all. And that's what we keep going forward with. And that, that's, that's our banner, you know. And guess what? We're going to start right in the womb. That's where we start. And we all the way through life. And so I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the days ahead. Uh, but I'm also preparing myself. And I would close, Tad, my comments with you, and sorry for being a little long today uh, with that, but um, I think all the more, Tad, which is what Cardinal Seurat speaks about, um, is we have to really anchor ourselves deeply in the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have to, we have to be a people of prayer. We need to, as, as Archbishop Cardinal Leon, in reference directly to the Speaker of the House with regard to the issue of Holy Communion and praying for her conversion, he called us to pray the rosary. He called us to fasting. I'm going to just take the words of the Archbishop and make them my own in this cause. We, we need to step up our spiritual, and I'll call, I'm not using the word game in the sense of play. We need to step up our game. We need to pray more. We need to fast more. We need to pray our rosary. We need to, for, as Catholics, Go to daily mass, offer that mass, you know, for the conversion of, of all of us, but especially for the conversion of those who are so in, 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 in encapsulated in this mindset of abortion and everything that goes with it. Let's pray for our nation. You know, let's get on our knees. You know, let's get back to God. Let's talk. Let's just talk about God. All right. Let's really show through our actions that how much we truly love our God and how much we love each other. That's the great command of our Lord, the two, you know, love God and love your neighbor. And I, I really believe that's what we, we, that's why this is an opportunity for us, you know, to call us to prayer, call us to sac- sacrifice, call us to, to, to act. All of this is a moment. So that's, that's what I would quote, you know, kind of bring all that to its conclusion. Uh, because with, if, we, if we think we're going to solve this purely from on a human level, we're going to fall. We're going to falter. We need to stay close to our Lord. We need grace. We need, we need the graces that come from being near him in his heart so that then we can go out and conquer in his name, you know, and overturn the hardened hearts and overturn the closed minds and open the ears of the deaf and help the mouths of the mute to speak, and to defend the defenseless, to fight for the vulnerable, and, uh, and, to, and, to, and to rally, if I may say, rally the troops. So that's my thought. Absolutely, Father, and thank you so much for that uh, exhortation. One last <laughs> thing I wanted to, 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 to just bring up, Father, as maybe as the closing here, is um, you mentioned the quote from uh, St. John Paul II uh, at the beginning of your column, uh, open wide the doors to Christ is a famous quotation. Um, part of that quotation, which you didn't mention, Father, was his famous. Uh, he's actually referencing our Lord. Correct. Be not afraid. Correct. And that was one of uh, uh, John Paul II's most uh, his favorite, probably right. quote of, of from the Gospels. He right. constantly was repeating it to everyone. Exactly. Be not afraid. It was maybe the motto of his pontificate in a not his <laughs> not his Episcopal <laughs> motto, but right. his his it's a great motto. Yeah. Um, his slogan, at least. Um, this is a difficult time. 
uh, for us, as you mentioned, and it's going to get harder. Right. And it's not just about this issue, although this is kind of a, a flashpoint, right. uh, a major flashpoint. Um, but for Christians and pro-lifers at, the, at this time, pro-family uh, Catholics, it's really tough out there yeah. right now. Um, how can we put on our Lord's call and John Paul II's echoing of that call to be not afraid? How can we put that into practice? Well, I, I think the grace thing, thing is just kind of picking up a little bit what I said a little while ago is that, but just use John Paul as the example. I mean, I, look, at, look at his life. Look at what he endured. Look at the sacrifices he made. Look at the losses that he experienced. And if we remember, even to the very end, a man fragile, broken physically, his body fighting against him. To the very end, even within a short few days, he stood out in his window, attempted to speak, attempted to give a blessing. He, to the very end, he teaches us what it means to not be not afraid. So for him, it wasn't words. I mean, it never was words. I mean, it's the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. But John Paul made them his very own. And that's what we have to do, Chad. We have to make them our own. Be not afraid. You know, what can, what can they do to me? You know, and this is the part, you know, is, you know, uh, I, I wish I can remember the saint right now off the top of my head, and I can't, but I remember the story. But basically, if I may just paraphrase the story, you know, you can take my property, you can take my family, you might even take my life, but you can't take my very being, my soul, because it doesn't belong to you. And I think it's important for us to remember that, you know, um, Mother Teresa used to say, you know, let God worry about being successful. We just have to put the effort in as if it depend, like the success really did depend on me. But it really is up to God. And that's what also means be not afraid. Just to, to I have to put every ounce of my effort forward and, and do it joyfully with a big smile on my face, even as I fight the good fight, you know, to, to do it with a joyful heart. And it, and, and it bespeaks that I'm close to my Lord, that joy is what fills my soul peace. Jesus says, I give you a peace the world cannot give, you know, and, and, and it reminds us that, you know, joy, one of the wonderful fruits of the Holy Spirit, you know, and love, and, and this is something that can't be taken away, can't be robbed. You know, I can give it away, right? I can, I can sell it, I mean, in a sense, and I mean that positively, I mean, but, but it's, not, it's not something people can take from me. And, and so it's important for me to realize that be not afraid is, is more than just, you know, just standing there. It's a mindset. It's a view. It's an approach. And it leads to an action. So if you love me, he says, you keep my commands. So that's an act. It's not just in the mind. It's not just a word, a narrative, a story. It's an act. And, I, and I, I, to me, that's what I've always taken away from those words of John Paul. And, and that's what I've always taken away from when I pray with those words from our Lord. It's, just, it's to make them my own. Be not afraid. And, and, and more than ever, that's what we have to do right now is be not afraid. We have the truth. We know the truth. And it, we don't have a, it's, it's, it, the truth will set us free. And that's what we have to keep preaching. And we've got to do it with a big, beautiful smile. And we have to do it with a joyful heart. And we have to mean it. You know, and, and, and what he says, love your enemy. So love, I mean, it's what conquers everything. And, and, and it's not easy, all right, all right? When, they, when someone is threatening you, you know, calling your name, spitting at you, you know, trying to prod you, incite you, it's very difficult. But you've got to stand. 
And I said, know your boundaries. I'm not, so as I said, I, I can take a quite a bit, all right? But I'm not gonna let someone harm me, all right, physically, all right? But it's knowing those differences. But I can still do it with a big smile. And I can still do it very much with a heart that loves, that still needs to be stretched, always needs to be stretched. But that's what be not afraid means, Tad. That's what it means to me. And, and I, I hope it means that or something similar to, to many others. Uh, and let's be honest, our, our brothers and sisters on the other side of the aisle, they don't seem to be afraid. They are standing their ground. And of course, right now they feel, you know, uh, that a great threat is upon them. And so because they value abortion, right? Now, we don't agree with that, but I think we can learn something, huh? They're not afraid. They're not intimidated. They're, they're determined. Well, we shouldn't be intimidated, and we should be just as equally determined. And, and we have truth. Move forward. So let's take those words. And I, I often think of uh, John Paul when he, he stepped out on that logia, like many other pontiffs have done many times before. And, but I still remember when he walked out. And what was that, that gesture he, he gave? I mean, he, 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 he greets the people, but he, his arm, arms are open and he speaks. He speaks of that reality. And that's what I've always taken away from the great saint, is, is that it, these words were, were more than words to him. They, as you said, even more than a motto. I mean, it was a way of life. And to the very, very end, Tad, he, he acted on those words. And I won't forget him. I mean, I, I mean I, that image of him in the window always reminds me that that's what I pray for the grace to be able to do, to, to keep going to the, till I can't give it anymore. There's nothing else I can give except myself, my final spirit, my breath. So that's what I would, you know, encourage. Yeah. Thank you so much, Father. That's very encouraging, and it's definitely um, a challenge of our faith, as, as really our whole lives are on the part of our Lord. Um, he's calling us to do as he has done for us and give, right. as he said, the last breath. So Amen. anyway, thank you so much, Father, and um, thank you all for watching uh, or listening. Thanks for tuning in and, uh, on YouTube. Please like and subscribe. Turn on notifications on, on any of our audio platforms. Uh, please follow us and uh, share us with your friends. Um, other than that, thank you for watching, and uh, keep on living the culture of life. God bless. <laughs>